I, I am going to kind of switch modes. We've been kind of in the same kind of vein of things the last uh, couple of months as we've been exploring kind of who's invited in and um, who is, is uh, traditionally been left out, exploring God's heart. A couple of weeks ago, I probably preached the message or spoke on and communicated the message that will probably be the message of this church for a long time about Jesus seeing um, a blind man at the gate and, um, and his disciples seeing a theological problem or a theological dilemma, but Jesus seeing a human being uh, that needed to be loved and healed and eventually revealed who the Christ was and how the Pharisees kicked him out of the church because he had an affliction since birth. And um, that, is, that is going to probably be a message I'll touch on in, in you know, every couple of months because it, it needs to stay at the forefront of our minds. And as new people come and join the church, I want them to really know who the DNA excuse me, of this church is. I'm going to switch modes a little bit today, um, not away from that. And I, and I do want to mention we do have, I know, some people that are visiting uh, uh, the church here um, that may be a part of a community that has traditionally been disenfranchised by the church, whether it's from the LGBTQ community or whatever it may be, uh, that have, have wounds around church and wounds around um, attending church. I want to tell you this. Um, if you've heard, it is true. We are affirming and welcoming as a church. You are welcome, and not just welcome, but celebrated. We have no other agenda here but to introduce you to a, an opportunity um, to come into relationship with the one that created you. And that's simply it. Amen, church? If it sounds too good to be true, it's not. It is true. We have paid a price for it in our community, and we would pay that price a hundred times because it pales in comparison to the pain that many from that community have felt as a result of what's been communicated from the pulpit, and we will continue to make sure we communicate that. Um, to, today, uh, my, the title of my message is, What's Love Got to Do With It? <laughs> got to do with it. What's love but a second-hand emotion? No? All right. Um, <laughs> what's love got to do with it? I've, I was thinking about this idea of what, what is it inside of us. There's a principle I'm going to try to do my best to describe today because it's one of those things that's hard to put language around, and so that's my job. Hopefully I do it well today. But there's a principle that I believe translates to both our our faith uh, uh, journey, our relationship with God, and that also is, parallels into our relationships with one another. And successful relationships here on the earth, uh, you'll, you'll oftentimes find that somebody that has a healthy, successful relationship with, with God seems to do well in relationship with others. And people who uh, have a very kind of troubled or twisted or backwards relationship with their creator, one that's built uh, out of fear of retribution or feeling like they don't deserve uh, that kind of love or whatever it may be, you'll, you'll find that they oftentimes have troubled or difficult uh, time in relationship here on the earth with another human being. This could be a romantic relationship. It could be a family relationship. It could be a friend relationship. But how many of you know that when our relationships here on the earth are healthy and not toxic, that life is better? How many of you know that God wants us to live a better life? Right? <laughs> um, and 
I also believe that when our relationship is healthy with God and we're in the right mindset in our relationship uh, with God, that I, I also think life is easier here on the earth. Uh, it's way more joyful. It's way easier to believe that when trouble comes that things are going to be okay. But it's amazing because I oftentimes find myself when I am feeling things that are not true towards God, they translate to my relationships with loved ones. And it seems like it all comes crashing down at the same time. Anybody ever feel that way? Like I have an argument over here and I also feel like I'm not like really connected with God here. It's very rare that I'm like, everybody hates me, but at least me and God are good. <laughs> right? Usually it's everybody hates me and you do too. <laughs> right? Everything comes crashing down at the same time because there is no distinction, if you will, on how we receive and give love. It's not like we do it one way with God and we do it one way with people. If this is twisted and messed up, this oftentimes is messed up or at least, at the very minimum, difficult, right? And anyone ever been difficult in their relationship with another human being? And you know you were being difficult. Anyone here? <laughs> anyone currently with somebody that's, never mind, okay. <laughs> Anytime I make those jokes, it's after the offering. So I'm gonna read to you, we're gonna stay in Romans five. So let's start in verse one. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, another way to put that verse is the conclusion is clear that our blameless innocence has absolutely nothing to do with something we did to qualify ourselves. It is what happened to us, not what we did to qualify ourselves. Relationship is rarely about what we did to deserve it, and really what happened in our lives. I'm going to brag on my relationship. I, Robin and I have been dating for a bit. Um, my goal is by the end of the year to get engaged, just so you know. And it may not be the end of the year. It depends on when the stupid ring comes in. Um, <laughs> but um, but I, I, I will tell you this right off the bat. When she came into my life, we were friends for years. And when we got to a point where we thought, you know what, this is crazy, why go out into the world? We were both divorced. Why go out into the world and try to start something over when we get along so great? And we began to, to, to move beyond friendship. And when that happened, I have to be real to you. I oftentimes, when I'm with her or around her or go out with her uh, somewhere or we're just, you know, you know, watching TV or something like that, I will look at her and think to myself, man, I, 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 I don't deserve this. And I know that she feels the same way 10 times over. And um, <laughs> especially when I wear a tank top. Where's that? That's a callback, folks. It's a sign of a great comedian, a callback right there, right? Um, <laughs> but, but what I will tell you this is that we, if we look at relationship as transactional, as this is what I deserve based on what I've given. It not only creates extreme trouble in our relationships here on the earth, it also twists our relationship with God. Because if we only receive what we believe we deserve, we are missing out 
on so much more that God wants to give us, and I guarantee you, loved ones want to give us. If you've ever been in a relationship with somebody here on the earth where you're like, I have so much more to give them, but it's like a wall that I can't seem to break through. It's usually because they have limited them, themselves, they have restricted themselves, they have caged themselves in such a way where they only believe that they deserve a certain capacity of love to be poured out on them, and therefore they've only built the capacity for that kind of love. Uh, the, the most mind-blowing idea when it comes to love is not the freely given part. Most of us in this room can freely give love. It's the freely received. We can comprehend the idea of giving love with no string attached, right? We'll send a, a $50 donation to somebody online who has a GoFundMe we've never met. We don't even know if they're going to do something with it. We will love them in that way and have no string. Not, we're not expecting them to send us a letter like, thanks so much for helping me with my brain tumor, right? We're not expecting that. We're just thinking, oh, somebody's worse off than I am. I can do something to help them. I want to help them. We can, most of us in this room can pretty, pretty readily grasp the understanding or the concept of freely given. But I would venture to say that very few of us have mastered the art of freely receiving. And just as we can give with no strings attached, can you and I receive without strings attached? Or are we, the, media, the, me, the, the, the minute somebody does something kind to us, whether it is God or another human being, do we in that moment think to ourselves, okay, that's two nice things they've done for me. What do they want? Do we go into transactional mode the minute someone starts to pour love on us? Because if you do it with another human being, if I do it with another human being, we are also doing it with God. And God is in heaven with a, this bounty of goodness that he wants to pour out on you and I. And we have limited out our capacity with like, thank you for allowing my package to show up on time today. I'm good, Lord, for the rest of the day. You've given me my miracle today. But that's, that's what we've convinced ourselves. It's like, we don't even think we deserve that. And that happens. And maybe it wasn't God. Maybe just UPS actually delivered on time. You know what I mean? And God's like, whoa, I didn't even have anything to do with that. I've got so much more to give you. But if we love and receive love based on what people deserve or a word that I don't have time to delve into, but expectation or what we believe people expect from us, it becomes so twisted. The minute the scales of justice are applied to the emotion of love, you are going to find yourself and we are going to find ourselves in a real mess. The minute we start to think to ourselves, well, I can't, let this, I can't let this person pay for my meal again. They did it last time. They're up to something. How many of us in this room get skeptical the, the better we're loved? I didn't want you to raise your hands. <laughs> These are all rhetorical questions, all right? How many of us in our minds go, oh, well, Pastor Jan, I've been burned before. I get it. But if you and I ever want to live fully and wholeheartedly, 
We've got to get beyond the hurt that has caused us to limit our capacity to receive love and start doing what I'm going to spell out here in Romans 5, and that is understanding there's nothing I can do to deserve somebody to love me well. Whether it's God, whether it's her, whether it's my mother, whether it's my children, there's nothing I can do to ultimately deserve somebody to pour their life out to me. That's silly. That's silly to think that, you know, three dozen roses means somebody should give me their life. Their life is surely worth more than that. There is no part of the equation of love that at any point in the journey has to do with what you and I deserve. Is this hitting home for anyone? I have some really dumb, funny things to say. I'm going to keep them in. So it says, as our blameless innocence has absolutely nothing to do with something we did to qualify ourselves. It's what happened to us solely, solely, only because of our Lord Jesus Christ doing. Faith and not reward is the only valid basis for righteousness. Listen to this. Let us now fully engage this seamless union and our face-to-face friendship with God. Faith is simply the idea that I believe that the person that I am receiving love from or giving love to, God, another human being, cares about me enough. I believe, I have faith to believe they care about me enough that they don't have motives beyond just simply making me feel loved. You want to talk about faith in this broken world? That takes faith. That's the only requirement, whether it's with God or another human being, that's the only requirement to set you and I up to learn to receive love well. It's just to believe, not that we deserve it, not to believe that we've earned it, because the minute we, we mess up, then we think we don't deserve it or don't, you know, haven't earned it. The only thing that we can do is believe that the other person on the other side of the equation, God, family member, loved one, cares about us enough and loves us enough to give without any strings attached. If you're like me, I would rather be the one giving than the one receiving because there's no risk in it. The only risk is the person rejects it. That's pretty much it. But I would rather be the one giving, giving because receiving sometimes feels awkward for me. Does anybody feel the same way or is it just me? The rest of you are just selfish, aren't you? just kidding. It's actually very selfish to be the one that always wants to give because you're robbing the other person of the opportunity to pour out what they have towards you, including God. We can make it look like he's so unselfish. She just always is the one that's given to her. No, 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 no. That's actually selfish because I'm protecting myself. It's not actually about the other person. I'm protecting myself by making sure that I'm the one always giving. Do you hear me? because I ultimately don't want to feel like I owe the person something. So it's about me at the end of the day. It's about me. It's about me. It's about me. It's about me. It's not about relationship. It's not about being wholehearted. It's not about taking the risk that love requires. It's not about any of that. Y'all are going to hate me by the end of this. I feel it in my spirit. Verse two. That's only one verse. Verse two. Heart surgery day. 
through him. <laughs> Can you go back to talking about how much we love the LGBTQ community? That'll be next week, okay? You never thought that that topic would be easier, right? Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Verse three, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance. Verse four, and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And verse five, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The end result of even the process of suffering is the hope. The end process of suffering should always end up being hope. The end process of suffering, when you are just building the capacity to only receive what you deserve, is probably going to be more suffering. Why? Because when we're suffering, we tell ourselves we probably deserve it. Come on. When something bad happens, the first thing we think to ourselves, just like I preached a couple weeks ago, is who sinned? I, oh man, I did stop doing my devotions a week ago. And then I got in a car crash. You really think that's how this works? I mean, this is how we think. We think when something suffering in our life, and the, and the thing is, is that suffering, which is an inevitable part of life, if put into the equation of God's beautiful, amazing love for humanity and a love that doesn't, that can't be earned, can't be deserved, is freely given. The gift of love that we find um, emulated in God's love for humanity that we're supposed to translate to our love for one another. When you're in that equation, even suffering creates patience in our life, creating endurance to push beyond something because we know at the end of the day that even though I'm suffering now, I have a God who loves me and gives me beyond what I ever could deserve or earn. And the end result of this suffering is going to be hope, not more suffering. Come on, do you hear me today? If, 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 if you know, Jim is at home, Jim has um, had a, that, that, that medical thing this week, but if Jim was at, at RPAC and he was working and Dave ends up going over there and and Jim's suffering, he's in terrible, intense pain, he's passing a kidney stone, and he's literally throwing up from the pain, right? And he's, he's, he's hoping in the suffering, the, the, the hope is that when Leah gets there and picks him up, takes him to the hospital, and he gets to the hospital, and they see the pain he's in, and then they give him some sort of pain pill or some sort of shot of something that begins to alleviate the pain, and he begins to build hope to the idea that he's going to be out of this pain soon because he knows that the people that he's getting ready to encounter not only have the ability to, but they are, they are funny actually what happened, but what should have happened, uh, but they are, they are not just willing to, but they are capable of turning his suffering into something that feels like love, something that benefits him that begins to fix and to solve the pain that he's in. I, um, that's not what happened in shame on Sarasota Memorial Hospital. He was in the ER for six plus hours puking without anybody helping him with any sort of pain medication. So 
It built character, all right. You stopped at the character part. Because this says, it, we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance. Got that. Endurance produces character. Got that. And character produces hope. Nope. <laughs> and I love verse five. I love verse five. This is my act. Okay. The, the, I love verse five. And hope does not put us to shame. Because in love, there is no such thing as shame. I have so much for you all to talk about around the dinner table tonight, don't I? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. When you actually research, I'm going to read this in a different um, version, verse 5. It says, this kind of hope does not disappoint. The gift of the Holy Spirit completes our every expectation and ignites the love of God within us like an artesian well. The picture that we get of the Holy Spirit is this overflowing like river or well that's bursting out. We sing about it in songs. We read about it in other parts of the scriptures. It says it in the Psalms, right? We, we understand this concept of the Holy Spirit is this thing that just bubbles up from us, right? It's like a well bursting forth from us, right? That's the picture we get. Well, if you read um, the Greek in here, the Greek word actually is um, exeo. It's E-K-X-E-O, and it means to pour out. It doesn't mean to pour in. So God brings us in this equation because of his love. He brings us from suffering to endurance, from endurance to building character, from character to building hope, hope that is not rooted in shame, because shame's got to go, to a love that's not just poured in us. It's so much that we can't contain it, and it pours out of us. Like, an art like a well, like a, like a well that can't be stopped up. So we, if we're, our mindset, I'm going to make this as clear as possible. When our mindset changes from transaction to what we deserve, to what we've earned, to I wonder what they're up to, you know, or, or, or on the other side, I'm not going to do that again for them. I've already done that once. They haven't done it in return. The expectation, the balance of, hey, like, you know, you got to hold up your end of the bargain. That kind of love equation, when we have it with one another, when we have it with God, when it's built on expectation, what we deserve, what we've earned, all of that, versus the way God created love to work, which is a free gift that, is, that, that, that we receive whether we deserve it or not. We really freely receive it. Realize that just as we can give without strings attached, we can be given to without strings attached. And that God's love, if we're doing it right here on the earth, that we pour that out on one another so that they become full and they become like an artesian well too. Because we serve the source of that kind of love who is pouring into you and I. People, I hear people say all the time, they're like, you know, well, there's only so much of my love to go around. You're missing it. You are missing it. I have been around human beings who love a hundred times better than I do. Why? Are they special? No. I think they understand that love is not finite. It doesn't run out. It's not like you get to the end of the barrel. Actually, I think the more we love, the more we get filled up with love. 
The more that we actually show acts of kindness that have no strings attached, the more we seem to be poured into. It's hard to find somebody that runs around loving humanity well that doesn't seem to also have and be loved. Uh, one of the greatest pictures of this for me is um, a lady that for years we, we would um, bring here and help her. Her name is Heidi Baker. She loves like you can't believe. She just loves people so well, and she does. It's genuine. It is genuine. I mean, sure, when there's a camera on her or something like that, I'm, uh, you know, she wants to communicate in a certain way. But I've seen her without the cameras on. I've seen her in the dirt. I've seen her, um, you know, I was on a boat with her for two weeks in the middle of the Indian Ocean with a bunch of other people. Well, the thing was broke down, and we had one, in, one motor that worked, so all we could do is circles. <laughs> and we were like 40 miles from shore in the middle of nowhere. That was fun with no radio. That was a real blast. And then the guy that they had on board that was the captain who was from the Netherlands had a drinking problem, okay? <laughs> and he was trying to fix the motor. Didn't work. And I've been with her in that situation and still she loves so well. And in certain circles at least, she's loved by so many people. She didn't put the word out there saying, guys, I'm going to love the orphans in Africa, but you guys need to love me. It is an equation that works every time, even though there is no equation to it. It just happens. You don't have to worry about being loved well if you love well. You may not get it from the person you're expecting, but love and God's spirit inside of us will will pour into you, even when people let us down, he will pour into us because we will never be without that free gift of love. You can't give too much of it away. Are you all feeling all right with this? All right, I'm gonna read one more part to you. Romans, uh, same chapter, verses eight and nine. And this is gonna make sense here. God's God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Anyone know this scripture? Uh, when you look into the Greek here, I'm gonna read it to you in a different way here. It says, herein the extremity of God's love gift, mankind was rotten to the core when Christ died their death. His love is so not conditional that even when we were rotten to the core, he gave the greatest gift. That picture of love. It's not transactional. Herein is the extreme nature of God's love gift. That while humanity was rotten to the core, he gave the gift of Jesus. I don't have a ton of time. I want to hit a couple of things because I know some of you in this room understand this concept, and yet somehow that artesian well that's supposed to be inside of us, we have, we have restricted, we have limited, we have um, stopped building our capacity to freely receive. We've oftentimes masked it in freely giving, but when it's time to freely receive, we're out of the game. And, and I wrote down a couple of things that might be holding the well back in your life. Number one is the fear of failure of not being enough. Hedging our bets. 
Number two is not wanting to be rejected, worried about not being worthy of reciprocation. Number three is doling out love based on what people deserve around us, which usually is limited by what we believe we deserve. It's amazing. What we think about us is often what we think about other people. So the same rules that we make ourselves live by, oftentimes we make other people live by. And because most people are more critical of themselves than other people, the funny thing is you find a person, you think to yourself, they are critical about everybody. I know somebody in my life, critical about everybody, always has at least 10 people they're complaining about. They move from one person to the next person to the next person to the next person about how terrible they are and how you can't count on them and how they're this and how they're that. Just always on and on and on and on and on and on. As miserable and critical as a person like that is, if you cut them wide open down the middle, you'll find out they're even more critical of themselves. They're even more likely to, based on what they believe they deserve, they're even more likely to not believe that they deserve any amount of love, so they put up walls to reject it so it can't even happen before it even happens because at the end of the day, they don't believe that they're capable of being loved. Number four is scarcity mindset. Believing that somehow, I said this in my message, that we're going to run to the end of the barrel. Or number five is never learning to freely receive so we don't understand how something can be freely given. The Bible says that we love him because he first loved us. We have never learned to receive a freely given love. We still in our faith believe that we're somehow earning something with God. If you say to me, Dan, 90% of what you're saying here today hits me. Where do I start? Start here. Learn to freely receive the gift of God in your life without strings attached, without wondering how you're going to mess it up, without putting into the equation your misses or you know, the things you should have done and didn't or the things you shouldn't have done and did, all the stuff that we factor into our relationship with our creator, stop. It is not a transaction. Even if you're rotten to the core, he's still willing to give you the greatest gift he ever had. Receive that and that will begin that snowball of we love, not just him, but I believe we love other people because he first loved us. We experience the extreme nature of God's love gift, even when we are rotten to the core. And if we can get that, we can learn to receive and to give love freely. We can learn to give and receive without strings attached. We can learn to see people not as what they deserve, but a representative of who we are. I'm going to read to you this. That's interesting and might be something for you guys, and then we'll pray and get out of here. If it doesn't apply, call KK and complain. <laughs> this is from a psychologist. Her name was Dr. Jean Cheng. It says, so many of us childhood trauma survivors cannot imagine living in any other way that could perhaps reduce our sense of responsibility. Our heightened responsibility is so strong that anything less feels irresponsible negligent, bad even. After all, we've known the pain of living in an environment that has not met our needs. 
We would not bestow that pain and loneliness on anyone else if we can help it. And so we keep going, caged, but protecting others from pain. Caged, but responsible. Caged, but good. It is possible to free ourselves from our internalized cages. Oh, I think I skipped one. Yeah, that's okay. But for all that we've been through, it makes sense that this process is complicated, exhausting, and can take much longer than we'd like. Instead of trying to remove one master lock, it's more realistic to remove one tiny lock, and then another, and then another, one moment at a time, still caged, and then less caged, still caged, and then less caged, still caged, and then less caged, until we get to a place in our life where there's no more cage, there's no more limited capacity to give and receive love. There's no more half-hearted relationships where we're trying our best, but we always seem to feel like we're falling short. We get to a point in our life where we are, the capacity is never-ending, it's infinite, just like his love and resources poured out to us our ability to receive from him and one another is expanded beyond our wildest imagination. And the goal, really, the goal in relationship for every one of us is to get to a point where we're living wholeheartedly, that there is nothing restricting our ability to love and be loved. It is possible. Is it difficult? Yes. Because trauma and disappointment and pain and people failing us and us failing them and disappointment on either side has a way of screaming at the top of its lungs to us saying, you've got to cage, you've got to protect, you've got to keep this in. You can't ever expose yourself that way again. But it is no way to live. And it's not the way you were designed to live. You and I were designed to live wholeheartedly, full throttle, the way that we drive a rental car. <laughs> Going around the corner on two wheels. The full deal. That's how we were designed to live. And he gave us that example. Will you stand to your feet? Let's pray together. Does this make sense for you today? Harvest, I, I as... As your pastor here, I have a, uh, my ultimate desire is that you would know this about God. Like that's number one for me because it is so important that you understand he feels this way about you and vice versa. Um, that's number one. But I sure as heck also want all of us to have healthy, mutually loving, wholehearted, relationships here on the earth and you might not be in one and you might be looking at that relationship saying it will never be that no matter how hard I try but it doesn't mean that you can't live your life in such a way that you have your whole heart in it it doesn't mean that there aren't friends or family members or whatever it is beyond that one or two people in your life it doesn't mean that you can't feel that kind of love outside of that. Don't give up on it. Start at the top with him. 
Start there and learn to receive that freely. Live your faith walk in a way that you don't feel like at any minute the love is gonna be pulled from you. Live in relationship with your creator knowing that I'm imperfect, but his love will never change. Because man, that sets us up <laughs> to be so much more successful and healthy in our relationships here on the earth with one another. I want us to be a healthy church. I want us to receive and give love freely. I don't want us to be miserable. I don't want us to be, you know, in constant conflict. I don't want those things to be a part of your life or mine. And this is the ticket here. You believe me today? Amen. Awesome. Um, we're going to be sending a, a, um, a nurse therapist to your house to help you recover from the heart surgery today. Okay. I suggest um, not talking for at least 24 hours. No, I'm just kidding. Um, let's bow our heads and pray together. Father, we thank you for this word today. We ask that you bless our hearts as difficult today as it is to hear some of this, not because it's hurtful to us, but because it hits really close to home. It messes with our protection mechanism, our survival mechanisms, our cages that we've become very comfortable in. But God, I also know that we as a people have the capacity to reach beyond this to love better, to receive love better, and to be healthier people, not just in our relationship with you, but with one another. So help us just really marinate and, and think and meditate upon this today, that we would leave here challenging ourselves to live wholeheartedly, not restricted, not caged, not pulled back, not protecting, but living wholeheartedly, willing to take those risks again to love and be loved by you and the people in our lives. Bless your people today, those that are watching with us online. In Jesus' name, and everyone says, amen. amen. God bless you guys. We will see you next week.